The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So today, continuing our reflection on concentration, on right concentration. So, um, concentration is a quality of mind that we, 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 it, it comes in a kind of more ordinary forms that we have in daily life and in forms that are connected, cultivating our mindfulness, our practice, our, our practice in the Eightfold Path, orienting the attention to present moment experience with the interest in understanding it as present moment experience. Noticing the breath as we breathe in as a breath. Not for, and, and one of my teachers says we, we cultivate the experience of the breath, for instance, for the sake of the experience of the breath, not for anything we hope to get out of it. Although that happens, you know, we do have that kind of hope that we'll become concentrated. But we find as we um, cultivate this quality of connecting to experience moment after moment, a quality of the of composure of mind can come. The mind can get collected, settled. And composure actually is a, is an interesting translation. Gil Fronstall pointed out at one point that the word for concentration in in Pali samadhi has the meaning that some part of the word samadhi means to gather or to be with, to collect. So with is the sum. And the D part means to stand. So to stand with, to stand with experience, to kind of root yourself with experience. So that's that's what the word samadhi literally means in the Pali. And the word compose has the same two roots in, in English, the come with also. Uh, the calm part of the root back to, I'm not sure, Latin maybe, has uh, has the meaning of with, and pose has the meaning of standing. So composed, collected. Sometimes it's described as mental unification. So the quality qualities of a concentrated mind is that it's, it's got this quality of composure, of collectedness, of unbroken attentiveness, non-distractedness can often also have tranquility in there. There can be this kind of peaceful quality that comes with this collected mind. So non-distractedness, I like that um, framing of what concentration is because we can think of non-distractedness in different ways. Our usual way of thinking of non-distractedness is, I think in our ordinary kind of way of thinking of non-distractedness, if we're we're focused on some kind of a task or we have to get something done, like our taxes, so this is like an ordinary kind of, of concentration, a way concentration may be unfolding in our ordinary lives with a purpose or aim to get something done. 
So not with the purpose or aim to cultivate experience in the present moment. So that's a different kind of concentration. I just want to be sure to distinguish between them because we can get concentrated. We can get concentrated on many things. We can be concentrated playing a musical instrument or um, we can get concentrated uh, in a sport or when we go for a run or something, we can kind of land in the present moment in a way. But the interest is often not in what is it, what is this experience like in the present moment? So it's, it's not aiming towards liberation. It's not aiming towards an interest in how does dukkha unfold often? Like if I'm focused on my taxes, I'm often more focused on how do I make sure I get all of the numbers right? You know, how do I make sure I got the right information in, in the taxes? So there's the, the focus or the purpose for the concentration is, is different. But the non-distracted quality uh, that we often think about is that we can attend to something like our taxes without the mind being pulled out into, you know, paying attention to the sounds outside or, you know, thinking about something else or getting caught in a, in a, a stream of um, something else on the computer, if we're, we're on the computer. So we, we think of non-distractedness as being able to focus on something often. That's one way that non-distractedness can work. Another way that non-distractedness can work is that we are consciously aware of experience in the present moment, but we're not pulled out of the present moment into non-awareness. So the, um, the non-distracted from being mindful is another kind of definition. That it may be that the attention is shifting from one thing to another. And often we think of that as being distracted. I've talked to a lot of people in describing the open awareness practice or in, in in having people move into exploring open awareness practice, they say, but my mind isn't concentrated. It's noticing too many things. And that, that the, the key there is the noticing. The key there is the awareness of. Awareness of a sound, awareness of a body sensation, awareness of a thought and emotion. The mindfulness is present moment after moment. And so we're not distracted out of the present moment. That's a very different form of non-distractedness and one that we can become come to appreciate in our meditation. So these two forms of non-distractedness of, of um, you know, the more familiar form of what we usually think of as non-distractedness is um, kind of their two, two forms of concentration that kind of reflect these two different kinds of non-distractedness. And I mentioned them a moment ago, the, the kind of concentration that comes with attending to one experience. So that focus, one pointed concentration, we pick an experience. We did this in the guided meditation. We emphasized the breath. We, we, just, we chose that as a, a kind of a place to land. And when the attention got pulled out, either, you know, I suggested either, See if you can, you know, gently let it go and return the attention to the breath or perhaps, you know, let it be in the background. You know, like the and practice of, yep, that's happening and the breath is there. So that the, the mindfulness is in every, is in each moment 
inclining towards connecting with the breath, even if other things are kind of coming up in the background. So that's, that's a, a kind of inclining towards a non-distractedness on the breath. And ultimately in that practice, we do, it does move in the direction of the other things, the other experiences receding further and further into the background until there's pretty much just the breath there. The attention really composed with the experience of breathing. We sometimes call this the object of our meditation, the object being the breath, the the attention kind of very collected with the object. So that's one form of concentration. And I would say it's the form most of us are familiar with. It, It kind of translates from what we think of as concentration in daily life, where, you know, we Think of being concentrated as we're focusing on some task that we're doing. We're aiming our attention at that task. And anytime our attention gets pulled away, we come back or we try to help ourselves come back to the task because we're trying to focus on the task. So this form of of concentration is connected to a particular, we choose an object of, of meditation and connect to that object. Different objects can be used in meditation. The breath is one of the most um, suggested often. So it's kind of, it works for a lot of people. It's often, it's it's always available for us. Um, For some people, the breath may have some kind of distress associated with it. If you had, if you had or have asthma, there can be kind of a little bit of tension or reactivity associated with the breath. And so it may not be the best choice for you. So there are other objects we can choose. We can, we can a- attend to, you know, particular contact sensations in, in the, in the physical body. We can attend to hearing. We can just choose a field. We can use metta as a, as a, as a, a form of, of concentration using the metta practice attending to the um, it's almost like almost like a mantra but it's not a mantra because you're you're understanding the meaning of the of the um, the phrase and looking at the impact that that meaning has on you so you're cultivating that quality of loving kindness through repeatedly saying those phrases so the different forms of practice different objects different things that can be used as, as a concentration practice. The, the commentaries also suggest things like images that you can create in your mind. You might, um, you know, pick an image and try to hold on to the image in your mind. I, I find that particularly challenging myself. Um, but some people, for some people, that seems to be very natural or useful to, 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 to do that. So we, that the mind is collected in this form of concentration by choosing the object of, of experience and then repeatedly coming back to it, repeatedly coming back to it, letting go of everything, you know, kind of inclining towards that experience and letting go or letting recede everything that's not that. So breath, Maybe hearing and the breath with the, with the kind of the emphasis on the and the breath, with the, the repeated emphasis on and the breath.
The other form of concentration that um, we can explore in meditation is not choosing a particular object, but rather stabilizing the mindfulness. So the stability, the composure comes around the awareness, the continuity of awareness itself. Moment to moment, we know this is what's happening in the present moment. This is what's happening in the present moment. So there's a continuity of mindfulness moment to moment, but the objects can change. So the stability happens in our capacity to be with experience moment to moment and the cultivation of that kind of relaxed, allowing attention, an attention that allows what's here to be here. As we are with a moment to moment experience, uh, moment to moment, we um, are cultivating the capacity to not be pulled into reactivity about what's happening. So it, it really is, in a way, it's not so much that the, that the objects are stabilizing, and they, can, they actually can in the moment-to-moment mindfulness practice. Sometimes we see or we find that the mind picks an object for a little while and stays with it, but it doesn't have to. But the key here for the concentration is that the stability of the mindfulness moment-to-moment means we're not reacting to what's happening moment-to-moment. We're not reaching out to try to get more of it or, or pushing it away because we don't like it. And, or if that is arising, we're also aware of that. So there's, there's an experience. Oh, and the not liking happens with it. We're aware of that. So there's, there's something, you know, unpleasant and there's aversion. That's what's happening. If we can be aware of that, then the mindfulness is being cultivated moment to moment. And so it is the being pulled out into non-mindfulness where the distraction happens in, in this kind of meditation. The arising of any object in particular is not particularly distracting. That's the something we have to think about or, or readjust adjust to in a way, perhaps in the, this form of practice. Just because something else arises doesn't mean we're distracted. The, the key is, am I aware of that something else that's arising? Am I aware of that? So the moment-to-moment concentration cultivates the stability of mindfulness moment-to-moment. So both forms of concentration use both mindfulness and concentration. They, They employ both factors of the mind in the meditation. So the uh, concentration practices, we use the mindfulness to stay with one particular experience, and that develops a certain kind of concentration around that particular experience. So the the emphasis is on staying with one experience. So the, the, the mindfulness is kind of aimed at one experience in that kind of, of concentration practice. So the emphasis isn't on getting to know a wide variety of experiences in that kind of practice, but stabilizing with one experience. So in a way, we're emphasizing the stabilizing in that kind of experience rather than the mindfulness. In the mindfulness practice where we're cultivating moment-to-moment mindfulness, we are really emphasizing the mindfulness side of the equation on whatever is arising 
And the concentration kind of develops organically. It's, it, we're not, it's like we're almost not trying to get to that state of concentration. We're, we're more exploring, can I be with this? Can I be with this? Can I be with this? And the concentration develops <clears throat> just through that continuity. But the object is not um, as important. We're not, we're not focusing on a particular object. So in mindfulness, in the, in the moment-to-moment mindfulness practice, we could say the emphasis is really on the mindfulness side of the equation, not on the stabilizing experience side. The stability comes moment-to-moment with the mindfulness. So whatever form of concentration we are working with or practicing, um, and, and one thing I'll say, I'll just, I'll just mention this. Um, these two forms, I would say, certain minds may be more inclined to one or the other. Um, in exploring for yourself, and I, I'd say it's useful to explore both. I've, I've certainly done Many times I've done, you know, the focused kind of practice and then explored the open awareness, went back to the focused practice, you know, really just exploring a variety of, of ways of practice. And what I'd encourage is whatever supports, wherever the mind can be most relaxed while practicing mindfulness, that's probably your doorway in. Start where it's easiest you know go in the door where it feels most natural most easy sometimes in in practicing with certain things like you know sometimes people will say wow i find i find the you know the open awareness practice so easeful but i can't like stay with the breath so you know is that a problem i should probably try concentration practice and what i like to say is like start where it's easiest you know what whatever feels most natural most um, relaxed, where you can be attentive without tension, that's definitely supporting your practice. In meditation practice, rather than kind of leaning into where it's hard, go with the flow of where it's easiest. Because what, what seems to happen is that as we go into the door, our own door, our own way into the Dharma, as we go in into the Dharma, it's like the, the, the whole terrain of the Dharma opens up to us at some point. So we don't have to like, you know, so if we go in the doorway of open awareness, at some point there will be a, a more natural or organic movement towards perhaps a more focused concentration. We don't necessarily have to try to make it happen. Or it might be at some point, like what happened for me was I started, I started learning about the open awareness practice and it was so easy and natural for me. And, and it really felt like, wow, this is my practice. And I, I came back just thinking, this is what I, this is, I found my practice. This is what I'm going to be doing. And to my surprise, the mind, uh, you know, it's kind of like the practice decided to move in the direction of concentration. It was kind of a shock to me. Came back from learning the practice with Saito Utejaniya, and then 
a few months later, I was spending a couple, I spent a couple of years shifted to, to doing the, um, breath meditation with Tanisaro Bhikkhu. But what I learned in that time, in that two years was how those two practices integrate. So that was, so it was, it was having gone in that doorway and then exploring a new form of concentration. It's like the, the mind understood that what it had learned through the open awareness. I, I, I decided in that, in that time that it's like, whenever the mindfulness gets too tense in terms of staying with the breath, just back off, go back to open awareness. So that's what I pointed to in the guided meditation. I don't know if, if you, if you heard that or, or kind of connected to it, but anytime you're doing a kind of, of concentration practice where you're focusing on a particular experience. In my experience, if I emphasize relaxation, it may be that you can relax with the breath. Sometimes we can. It's like, oh, it feels like it's getting a little tight. Okay, let me see if I can be relaxed with the breath. Maybe find a more comfortable breath. Sometimes it can be adjusted within the, the breath. But for myself, often it, it wasn't easy to do that. And so for me, I made relaxation be primary. I would let go of the breath entirely, find my way back to a relaxed, receptive quality of mind, and then receive a breath again. Oh, yeah, that one's easy. That one I can receive. Oh, how about a second one? Yep. Okay. How about a third? Oh, that one got a little tense. Okay. Relax again. And that it made the process of settling into concentration much slower in a way, but it was much more stable because it wasn't done with the kind of a gripping tightness. So this piece of how you pay attention, how you are connecting with the experience, relaxed, receptive awareness. So that's a lot what I emphasize in, in the teachings of, of the open awareness practice, relaxed, receptive awareness. In the concentration form of practice, we, we can start with relaxed, receptive awareness and then receive a breath and receive another breath and receive another breath. And so it's still receptive awareness. It's still a form of receptive awareness that becomes kind of tuned to receive a particular aspect of experience. And like, a t- like it's receptive awareness, we're tuning a receiver. Instead of like, the, the, like receiving all the channels, we tune to receive the channel of the breath, just receiving the breath. So that fact, that, that aspect of relaxed attention, how you attend to experience is crucial in whatever form of concentration practice you're doing, whether it's the the one-pointed or attending to one experience or the the moment-to-moment concentration where, where you're receiving experience after experience. So that relaxed awareness, receiving experience, to me, that's the ground out of which both of these forms of concentration will come. So um, let's see. I'm just going to mention um, a couple pieces and not go into too much detail just now because I want to leave some time for some questions. Um, there's a couple of factors or five factors actually that tend to support concentration. 
and five factors that tend to hinder concentration. The five factors that hinder concentration are the five hindrances. Sense desire, ill will, sloth and torpor, restlessness, and doubt. So those five um, tend to get in the way of the mind being able to settle down. In um, working with the hindrances, there's maybe slightly different ways we might do that depending on the kind of practice we're doing, depending on the kind of concentration we're doing. In, um, in the um, focused concentration, the first exploration is a hindrance arise. You just see if you can let it be in the background and attend, keep staying with the, the, the experience. Know that it's there, but not like, you know, just keep coming back. Yep, that's there. Yep, come back. I, I, at one point, I was doing metta practice for a month. I did a month of um, solid metta practice to, to, as a cultivation of concentration. And um, I noticed that, you know, my, my hin- go-to hindrance is, is aversion. And I was noticing at one point, I, w- I was a dishwasher. And so I was doing the dishes, um, running things through the dishwashing machine. Um, and I was doing the meta phrases, you know, may all beings be happy. And then noticing my mind, you know, in a complete aversion about my dishwashing job, like who designed this stupid machine anyway? And, and I would notice that and I would just go back. Yep. Yep. That's there. And I'm just going to go back <laughs> to the, to the uh, phrases. And it was actually kind of a relief in a way. It's just like, yeah, I know that's there. And yep, I just come back to this. It wasn't so strong that it was like pulling the attention away from the ability to stay with the experience. And it slowly receded, that, that aversiveness slowly receded. So that's, that's one, one way to work with, uh, with a hindrance in that focused kind of concentration. But you need to have the skill to recognize when that's possible and when you actually might need to turn more directly to attend to the hindrance more directly. That would be, that means kind of turning to mindfulness practice around the hindrance or applying an antidote around the hindrance, bringing in something, something to support the hindrance to diminish. And my go-to method is often the, um, the mindfulness practice. So if in that case, you know, if the, if the aversion had been getting stronger and stronger and I was finding not able to connect with the metaphrases, then I would have switched to mindfulness practice and just looked at, okay, what's going on? What does this aversion feel like? How does it affect the body? What's, you know, what's this like to have the aversion in my experience? And if that didn't work, I might try an antidote of, okay, let me, let me see if I can, you know, redirect my attention to, to something that will allow the mind to settle down. So, um, so the working with the um, mindfulness with the hindrances, if you're doing the mindfulness practice, you don't have to shift it all. You know, when a hindrance arises, you simply notice that a hindrance is arising. And you're continuing the con- the development of concentration on the the awareness of the hindrance in that case. It's just that it's just the next thing that's arising. So there's no we in the 
moment to moment mindfulness, there doesn't have to be a preference for what's arising. We just need to be aware of it. And so as long as we can be aware of, oh yeah, there's aversion arising or there's ill will arising or there's sloth and torpor or restlessness arising, then we are continuing the constant, the development of that continuity of mindfulness, the development of the moment to moment concentration just through the awareness. And so the the practice in in a way is, in some ways, it's simpler just in terms of we don't have to switch to a different practice when the hindrances arise. It's just like we, we need to be aware of them. And in this practice, what we need to be really clearly aware of is when we can be aware of the hindrance and when we get caught by the hindrance, when we get lost in the hindrance, what's that difference? What's that difference between the two? What does it mean to actually be aware of the hindrance versus being lost in it? We've talked about that quite a bit. So the hindrances hinder concentration. And one of the key ways that we begin to recognize that concentration is developing in whatever form we're doing is that the hindrances begin to settle. The actually, in some places, uh, concentration as is defined as the, the hindrances being at bay, the hindrances not arising temporarily for that stretch of time that we're doing practice. So the hindrances are not arising in concentration. And it's a very delightful experience, actually. The, the kind of delight and joy that comes with concentration can come from recognizing the experience of being free from the experience of the hindrances, to be free from the hindrances. The the term for this is called the bliss of seclusion, being secluded from the hindrances. It's quite lovely when the mind actually, you, you, you enter into that place where the mind is not, does not have ill will or aversion or sleepiness or restlessness or doubt. That mind is settled, collected, composed, whether on one experience or in um, the broader kind of context of moment-to-moment experience. And so that flavor of the hindrances being at bay, we can get familiar with that. That's the flavor of concentration. How slightly different experience of the flavor of it in the focused concentration than in the moment-to-moment concentration. In the focused concentration, I think the experience of the hindrances at bay is is kind of like it's so tied up with, it's so connected to the being with the one experience. And sometimes that mind that's just right with the breath, the the the, the delight and joy that can come with that, it it it's it's got it it kind of has two parts to it. One is the part of the mind just being so connected with one experience. But a lot of the delight and joy comes from the fact that all of those hindrances are not happening. So then through the cultivation of concentration, there are five factors, five qualities of mind that come together as the hindrances, you know, recede, as the hindrances are at bay, these five qualities, these five wholesome qualities, um, begin to strengthen in our minds. The five qualities are, um, 
I'm going to use the Pali for these and then give you translations. We taka and we chara. These two often come as a pair. They're kind of how we apply our energy to the practice, how we make effort. We taka is an aiming of the attention, an application of energy. We chara is the sustaining of attention. So we taka in the suttas is, um, there's an analogy for Witaka as the striking of a bell. So the striking part, the hitting of the bell. That's Witaka. And then the Wichara is the sustained sound. Oh, hang on, let me put original sound back on and do that again. <laughs> so the striking of the bell is we talk is like Witaka. The reverberation is Wichara. So the, what we do in the striking of a bell is we, we make that, we, we apply the effort to do the striking. We don't do the sustaining. We don't make the reverberation happen. And yet at first, it might be, you know, at first if we want the, the bell to sustain, it might be we just have a light touch. And initially it might be that we do a kind of continuous light touch. And then, and then we begin to get familiar with the reverberation and the sustaining of it. And then perhaps over time, as, it, as we get familiar with that reverberation, we know to strike again or to connect again, apply again. So this combination of apply and notice the sustain, apply, notice the sustain. In the focused concentration practice, that, that means applying to noticing a particular object. We notice a particular object. And it, it might be that the, you know, the, the apply happens, initially happens with every half breath. Notice the in-breath. Notice the out-breath. So there's that apply and then feel the breath. Apply and feel, apply and feel. So the, you know, an in-breath, how does an in-breath experience? An out-breath. And it may be over time that we begin to see we don't have to do every half-breath. Like, oh, a breath. Maybe even two or three breaths before we begin to notice the kind of connection with the object weakening and then apply again. So the apply and sustain part, this is really the practice of concentration. The remaining three factors of concentration are really the results. So I'll talk about those in a minute. I wanna emphasize this apply part. Um, and I think that, that uh, what I pointed to before about the relaxation, this is where relaxation comes in. How are we doing this applying? Are we gripping the object? Are we grabbing it? Or is it oh, a gentle touch, a gentle connection, a gentle meeting? And then the sustaining, are we trying to hold on to the sustaining or are we noticing how it sustains and getting familiar with that? So the relaxed quality of the application of attention and the noticing of the sustaining of that attention. 
and the familiar the familiarizing ourselves with how long a particular sustaining lasts like with the bell you know certain bells you know can different conditions different conditions will affect the sustaining so i'm holding the bell i don't see how much this affects it i'm holding the bell with my whole hand right now which probably will dampen it right this is a pretty good bell it doesn't dampen it that much but if i'm gripping it like this perhaps yeah so if i'm holding it like that you get a little clunk it doesn't sustain much so the conditions of how we apply the energy what's happening around the application of energy i could be you know doing this part just as gently and it's not reverberating so there are other conditions that can affect and when i hold it like this balance it on my fingers and the gentle tap the reverberation follows and so the the similar kind of thing it's the relaxation that creates the conditions for us to begin to notice the the sustaining and get familiar with the sustaining what is the experience of the attention staying with the breath and noticing when that connection gets a little weak and then reconnecting that gentle relaxed reconnecting in the moment to moment concentration the application and the sustaining are about noticing the awareness are you aware beginning to get familiar with that what is the experience of being aware we can also use knowing the object what are we aware of and this is the way often we may begin with with the um, application of energy in the moment-to-moment -moment concentration that we connect with knowing what the object of mindfulness is moment-to-moment -moment, and that is changing but where that points us back to is getting familiar with the actual experience of this is what awareness is like and objects come into awareness are received in awareness and the sustaining part is getting familiar with the momentum of awareness over time so they they function a little differently the 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 application and uh, the, the these first two factors that support concentration function a little differently in the two kinds of concentration what we do it's like this is how the practice this is what we're we're instructed to do in the practice and the instructions in for each are slightly different in one case attend to the object stay with the object when you get pulled away come back to the object in the second case notice that you're aware notice what awareness is aware of moment to moment Notice when the awareness, when you wake up having get, gotten lost, begin to get familiar with the awareness getting weak. So the sustaining in the, um, in the, you know, the, the striking here, you know, the, in the um, uh, awareness practice, the striking is kind of like recognizing and noticing aware. And then how long does that awareness last? with objects changing within that awareness. The other three factors of concentration that arise, given that we're applying our 
effort, the vitaka vichara, with a relaxed kind of receptive attention, the other three will begin to naturally arise. And their joy, that joy is often described as the joy that comes with the hindrances subsiding. With joy does come a kind of a pleasantness, the quality of sukha. There are distinct qualities. The quality of joy often has a slightly more energetic experience. The quality of sukha is more the pure pleasantness of the experience. And then there is the um, unification of mind. So the unification of mind is different. Again, the unification of mind is different in the two practices. Um, The unification of mind in the focus practice is the awareness and the object become unified. This is where the mind just will stay with the object and it's really easy to stay with the object and it's not like even interested in anything else. So that's in the focused practice. In the um, moment to moment practice, that unification of mind is, I would say it's, it's the unification of the mind in the direction of freedom. The mind gets really interested in how dukkha functions. And the the whole purpose of that concentration is in the service of liberation. So that's a unification of purpose, I would say, more. It's not a unification of, of the object. There's a unification of the awareness and that the awareness becomes very stable. But it, it feels to me like it's not just that that happens there. It's, it's the mind unified in a particular direction towards a particular purpose. And that, that experience or that sense of, you know, why is this, why am I doing this? You know, why am I doing this concentration? It's in the service of freeing the mind from suffering, freeing the mind from its reactive habits and patterns. So that, that's a kind of a, an interpretation, I would say, of what that fifth factor of, of concentration is, for, especially for the open awareness practice.